0: Let's do it.
1: Welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Albazan with Mr. De Brian, Terry Hay, between the two of us. We'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls, And you just give us a call. We'll put you right up at the top of the list and get your questions answered for you.
2: That's right. Right now is the perfect time to call. We can well, take right. some time with you and get you a thorough answer to your questions.
1: That's right. Now, I see we've already got a line holding. We've got Harith on line. Good morning, Harith. How are you doing, Mr. Alvazan? I'm yes. doing great, sir. How about yourself? All right.
3: This old truck of mine, <laughs> 98 with... Uh... Yes, sir. Two hundred thirty-four thousand. Uh huh. Shift column, like the metal, you know, where you change gears from park to drive, you know. Mhm. That snapped off. Did it? Like Uh not the whole handle, but like the piece it attaches
4: to is snapped off. Okay. Can that be replaced? Yeah, that's
1: a shift collar. I think they call it. Kind of involved a wreath. I think you have to take the steering wheel off. There's a lock plate down in there that you know keeps people from stealing the vehicle and all that.
2: You're talking probably three, three and a half hours to go down there and change that piece and and put the column back together.
1: Mm -hmm. But yeah, all those parts are should still all be available. Yeah. Okay.
2: And you might, check the junkyard and you might find one that's working be easier just swap the column out yeah just
1: change the whole column out instead of replacing the parts on yours because some of those parts are kind of pricey and it's a fair amount of labor to change it so
2: and i'm not sure that some of them are still available
1: i've had pretty good luck getting everything have you yeah on 98 should be able to get all that but like brian was saying you might just check a junkyard if they sell you the whole column cheap enough right i wouldn't pay 300 for a column but i mean if they would sell you a column for 50 bucks then it would probably be cheaper to just swap the whole column out.
4: And is there any danger of, like, the airbag deploying?
1: Probably not so much deploying. I mean, it is feasible that it could happen if it shorted out, but more likely it would quit working and it will damage the other wires. So there's a number of wires that run down that steering column. Yes, and sir. if it starts damaging those wires, you're going to be into a much bigger problem. So I would probably address it as soon as possible.
3: Okay. All
1: righty? All right, thank okay, you. Okay, thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Hi, if you want to be part of the Automotive I we would love to have you. And we're going right straight back to the line with Joe. Good morning, Joe.
0: Good morning. How are y'all this morning? Doing great, sir. Doing great. I've got a 2004 Nissan Maxima SC that I bought used three years ago. Uh
3: Uh-huh.
0: And it's just a nagging problem that I've had ever since I bought the car. Okay. And I don't know if it's standard to the car or what but when you run the heater it runs just fine as long as you're moving but when you come to a stoplight the heater starts blowing cold air until you start moving again have you ever heard of this problem
1: no i really can't say that i have joe i would think it would have to have something to do with the blend door see the way that car operates the heater has hot water running through it all the time it doesn't have a heater control valve Okay. So hot water runs through the core all the time. Now, on the side of the heater core is the evaporator core. One's hot and one's cold. And it's a plastic door that moves back and forth between them to give you either hot or cold or blend the amount of hot and cold that you get. Right. Now, on most cars nowadays, that's all electronically controlled with little stepper motors. But in a lot of the cars, and possibly on this one, it may be vacuum controlled. So there may be that when you come to an idle, the vacuum and the engine goes up higher, that may be pulling something, pulling that little door out of alignment some kind of way. I can't say that I've ever heard that particular problem, but it's got to be something to do with that.
4: Okay, so would it be best to go to the dealership or bring it to Oh, never, I mean,
1: never, ever, ever go to the dealership. <laughs> <laughs> now, any, any competent shop can handle that. that. That's no big deal. We do a lot of that work, and so does lots of other guys in Baton Rouge.
0: Okay, I didn't know if there might be a solenoid or something that when it goes to
4: idle that it's just actuating. or.
0: Well, or it
1: shouldn't truck. be. It's got, and like I said, the way most vehicles are built, they have electronic stepper motors, and there's a little computer of sorts that commands all that stuff. And it is conceivable that it's something electrical. But again, it's nothing that couldn't be diagnosed and repaired relatively easily i would think the most difficult thing is if the door itself is somehow broken or damaged it's pretty involved to change that door because you have to take almost all the dash apart now if that's the case you may just choose to live with the problem but at least you can get it diagnosed to see if it's not something simple i mean it could be something as simple as a hole in a vacuum line okay all righty thank
0: you very much yes sir
1: thank you bye-bye all right you want to be part of the automotive hour and we have got felicia online good morning felicia
5: Hey, good morning. Yes, ma'am. I have a 2003 Jeep Liberty. Uh-huh. It's the 4x4, it's the limited edition. Okay. And I have an emissions leak. And somebody told me I could start with the gas cap.
1: Well, that's one possible thing, Felicia, out of about probably 25 or 30 possible things. If you want more understanding of the way that system works, you can go to my website and just go to the search bar and just type in something like evaporative the word evaporative, and it's going to bring up an article all about how that system works. Basically, the way it works is there are two solenoids, a vent solenoid that's always open and a purge solenoid that's always closed, and there is a sensor in the tank that can detect vacuum. There's several lines and hoses, and on that particular one, they have what they call a leak detection pump, which is a little electric pump. Now, what's setting the light is that when the engine decides it wants to check and make sure that the system's intact it closes the vent valve opens the purge valve or turns on the leak detection pump and draws a vacuum on the tank then it closes the purge valve and expects that vacuum to hold for a period of time to make sure there's no leaks anywhere well what's happening is that it's leaking back down now clearly if the gas cap is bad it, it's going to do that but also if a vacuum line is cracked or one of the two solar doesn't close or if the pressure sensor's bad on and on and on and on and on and on you know, it's going to set the same code so that's why you can't just go literally by code now gas caps can be tested very easily anyone who does state f- inspection. state inspections can test that cap for you as well as any shop just have the cap test it shouldn't charge you anything or very little if the cap's good then you know that's not it or i mean if you want to just go buy a cap and try it you have to go to the jeep dealer and buy the cap because the aftermarket caps are pretty much junk but a cap's gonna cost you 22 23 dollars and in my experience, that is probably the least common thing that causes that issue. Okay. Most common on a jeeps is a leak detection pump goes out or to get a vacuum line cracked. Okay. Cool. Uh, well,
3: thank
0: you. All righty,
1: ma'am. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Drew's been patiently holding. Good morning, Drew.
0: Hey, hey, good morning, gentlemen. How good are you all? Great, Good time. morning. I have a 98 Tahoe. It's my son's vehicle, mm-hmm. and it's got kind of a clacking noise or a tapping noise, and we've got a code reader, and it came up with a number five cylinder misfire. Okay. Um, what's your advice on that as far as, like, drivability for one? And
1: Well, Drew, you, you're not going to be able to drive the vehicle if you got a misfire code. Reason being, every time that cylinder misfires, what is happening is that a charge of fuel is leaving that cylinder and going into the catalytic converter which runs the temperature that converter sky high so if you drive it with a misfire for even just a couple of days you end up buying a catalytic converter so you just added about eight hundred dollars to the cost of the other repair that you still got to make gotcha it just gets insanely expensive pretty fast now to go about diagnosing the problem drew the first thing i would try that is a 98 so it's probably a 5.7 liter yes sir Take the spark plug wire, say, off of number five and move it to another cylinder and take the, pl- the wire off that cylinder and move it to that cylinder and see if the code changes to the other cylinder. Okay. If it is, you got a bad plug wire. Next, take the spark plug out and do the same thing. In other words, if you don't have any test equipment, that's just kind of a country boy way of checking it. And swap the components from one cylinder to the next cylinder go drive it. And if the misfire moves to the other cylinder, that's the bad part. Gotcha. And, I mean, you can do that pretty much with the plug, the wire, even the fuel injector if you're pretty handy. But it's something that's peculiar to that one cylinder, so it ought to be relatively easy to diagnose. Okay. Plugs are one thing. Something like a oxygen sensor or MAP sensor is not going to ever be the cause or fuel pump because they affect all cylinders equally. This is something on that one cylinder. Okay. Uh, you might also do a compression test on the cylinder and make sure it's got good compression on that hole and not anything that wrong inside the motor itself but that's the way you would go about testing it and of course we could diagnose it for you it'd probably take less than an hour to diagnose that problem and then you definitively know if you start throwing parts at it you're going to spend way more than an hour diagnostic time real and, quick and, and may, maybe never right. hit the problem
2: and possibly cause another problem yeah it may
1: even create a new problem if you go buy
2: inferior parts yeah
1: junk parts which are right, so right. prolific today yeah yeah the reason why i called was i got
0: one real quick estimate they didn't do any diagnostic mm-hmm just by hearing, and somebody told me I needed a new motor, so I just packed up and left.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, who knows? Possible. I mean, that is one thing that can cause it, but that's one out of –
2: I'd sure uh, get a second opinion. Yeah,
1: and I'd look at the simple things first. I mean, it's kind of – if I hear a bunch of hoof prints behind me, it might be a herd of zebra, but most likely it's not, you know. Exactly right. (laughs) All
0: right. Okay, great. Well, thank you all very much. All All right. Thank
1: you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right, we're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back. Pete and Richard, hold on. You guys will be straight up after the break.
5: Hi, I'm Ryan Sebring, and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Our next contestant, Old Delta 88. My old owner
0: loved me, and he treated me fine. Used to
1: tag me to Agco all of the time. Now my new owner cuts corners, is looking for a deal. It's
0: enough to make my poor ties, my poor ties squeal. I got the new owner blues. He don't wanna treat me nice.
5: I got the cheap owner blues. Down the road, he'll pay the price. Yes, he will. Oh, sing it, old Delta 88, and visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-auto.com to hear entire songs performed by all our contestants. Then vote on your favorite. And remember, for vehicles fixed right the first time, for the overall lowest cost, Agco is the place to go.
1: Welcome back. If you just join us, this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan. We're Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Just go ahead and give us a call. And we're going back to our phone lines with Pete. Good morning, Pete.
0: Hey, how you doing? Doing morning? great, sir. Good morning. Look, I called you about a couple of weeks ago about a Mazda Protégé. Okay. It was a Mazda 2003 that was using excessive oil between okay. the oil changes. Yes, sir. hmm and you told me a procedure that you could do. Do you all do the procedure? Yes, sir. How long would it take and a kind of ballpark figure?
1: I think you're talking about probably chem- trying to chemically treat the motor. Okay. Is that what we're talking about? Well, I, I don't
0: it's, it's using by three quarts all not between all changes. Yeah, you and, could uh,
1: try a chemical treatment. It might work. It might not work. Sometimes it helps. Sometimes it cures it. Sometimes it doesn't do anything at all. It just depends on what the problem is. You know, Obviously, if it's got broken rings in it, it's not going to help if it's got stuck rings it may very well help so it just kind of depends on what the problem is that procedure takes about a half a day in the shop and it's not a half a day work time but it's got to do some things like you have to take all those plugs out and add some stuff down the holes it have to sit for a few hours and you have to do some more things and let sit for another few hours you can expect to spend probably between 125 and 200 somewhere depending on exactly what all is required in that engine and that's just the only thing you can be able to do short of rebuilding the engine that's going to have some hope of fixing the problem. All right. All righty. Thank you, sir. All right, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. All right. We're going to be part of the Automotive Hour, and we've got Richard's been patiently holding. Good morning, Richard.
4: Uh, yes, sir. Uh, 04, F-250, 06, I no, mean uh, 6.0. Okay. It was kind of uh you'd have to give it a little shot of ether in the morning to start once in a great while. Now it's every morning. And I uh, don't believe this the glow plugs. I've been fooling with diesels. 1963 so i kind of know a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. on the old boards i could check all that on the old boards that had a check valve to keep the diesel from draining back the injector pump and i don't know nothing about these six O's.
1: yeah the, the six oh use a module rather than a relay and there's you got a Ford scan tool you can test them like that because it'll automatically go <laughs> in there and tell you what the amperage is on all of them so it's a lot easier to do. It's just you need a lot more expensive equipment to do it. It's not like in the old days. Now, is it always like that, Richard, when it's cold or hot? Or- oh, so the coldest
4: days of the year wasn't any problem. It's just...
1: Well, it's probably not going to be the glow plugs then, because glow plugs are no, strictly going yeah, to be a problem when it's cold. When it's hot, it really doesn't need the glow plugs.
4: Well, it's kind of like you. You know, you got good days in the mornings when you wake up. Mm-hmm. And you got, well. It's, this is the same way. Right. Now the last three days, though, it, was, it wouldn't start. The mm-hmm. last three days.
1: Yeah, it could be something in the lift pump where fuel is bleeding down. Have you tried cycling the key a couple of times before you try to start it and see if that helps?
4: I did this morning twice, but it didn't. And I don't want to sit there and grind that starter. No,
1: no, not AA at all.
4: Free.
1: Yeah, what, what you want to do, Richard, Try, just cycle the key to on, wait a few seconds, turn it off, and do that three or four times because that will run the lift pump each time you do it. If Where's that lift seems
4: located,
1: it's going to be in the tank on that one, I'm sure. Uh, oh, 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 thank See, you. and if that helps, then you're probably into a bad lift pump or something like that. Now, I know the condition of the battery has an awful lot to do on that engine because if the battery voltage goes down when you're cranking, because it's all electronically controlled, it won't fire the injectors properly. So, it, sounds, you, it may. Sounds strong. Yeah, it may sound great, but see, eight volts will crank them motors real fine when you got two batteries pushing them. Yeah. But eight volts ain't gonna run that computer. So, well, what you I'll might want to. Put the fluke on it. Well, put the fluke on there and measure the voltage while you're cranking and make sure you're holding a good 12 and a half volts while you're cranking. If it's dropping okay. much below that, see, because batteries go bad in a lot of different ways. And if the voltage drops down on a six oh, it won't start. But that would be some things to start now. If you can't find anything there, next time Justin's on the show, call back and talk to him because he's real sharp on diesels a lot more so than I am.
4: Well, I'm gonna put my tank, my hand on the tank and get somebody to turn the key on see if I can feel it.
1: Well, it's gonna be running, see, but it's just it may be draining back. It may be draining back when you cut it off. And there's a check valve could be bad in it. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
4: All that good music you play. Do you dance? Absolutely. Well I'm about to send you a uh, email with my picture. <laughs> I'd I'm hate to think it did man. <laughs> uh, uh, hi, Richard. Well, I'm sending
1: you my email. Hi, boy. Bye bye. Hi, part of the automotive eye, we would love to have you. Talking about fuel pumps on the website. You're putting your detailed topic on there every week. And Correct. this morning one came on on fuel pumps, which is a very, very good article I think everyone needs to read because there's a lot of information in there number one on how the fuel pump operates and so on. But a lot of really good information on how to prevent problems with your fuel pump. Because a lot of folks don't realize, but the life of your fuel pump is almost 100% under your control. Correct. Certain things that people do, they may not realize they're doing, that can kill a fuel pump right. real fast.
2: Like running the tank down to yeah. till the light comes on. Oh, yeah. The, the S- fuel cools the pump.
1: Yeah, the fuel flows through the pump, and right. that is the coolant and the lubricant. So you might want to read that article. Of course, lots of other good articles and things to read on there, but that particular one will give you a lot of insight because you can easily save anywhere from $700 to $1,000 on changing that fuel pump, which you would not have to, plus a breakdown somewhere. Just by
2: doing a Just few by simple a few, things. Just a
1: few things. That's right, changing a few habits of things we've always done. Hey, let's go back to our phone line with Ferris. Good morning, Ferris. Good morning. Yes, good morning. I've got a 2008 Mazda Tribute. Yes, sir. I
4: t- when I turn the ignition on, mm-hmm. absolutely nothing. Then I turn it the second time, and it always starts. Okay. It doesn't happen every time. Yes, It sir. happens more and more frequently, it seems like. Mm-hmm. But Ferris, when go, you say
1: nothing, do you mean it won't crank, or does the dash lights at all come on? The dash light comes on, but okay. it doesn't crank. Yeah, it just won't crank. crank it will always crank the second time yeah most likely ferris if your dash lights and all that are coming on one other thing you might just try next time it does that instead of releasing the key Mm -hmm. continue to hold the key over and reach over and hit the horn and if the Uh horn blows while it doesn't crank then you know you got full battery voltage getting into the system most okay. likely, if that's the case, it's going to be something in the starter motor itself. Okay. Now, one other all thing right. you could do if you could get to it and you're real handy is that if it does it and you continue to hold the key over, like I said before, if yeah. someone can get to the starter motor and just tap it lightly, like with a little hammer or something, and if it uh-huh. starts to crank immediately, then you know for sure it's a starter motor.
4: Okay. So That's right. I knew those were probably the options, but yeah, I just sir. wanted to know what you were saying Well, see,
1: the ignition switch could be the same thing, but then your dash lights and all wouldn't come on. And if it's losing power somewhere, when you hold the switch over it's not gonna the horn's not gonna blow. So right. that simple little test will tell you. Very good. All righty? Thanks a lot. Thank you, sir. Bye bye. Uh bye. Hi, right, if you want to be part of the automotive iron, we got Melvin online. Good morning, Melvin. Yes, sir. Hi, how you how you doing? Doing great, sir. Good
2: morning.
0: Let me ask you a question. Sure. Okay, I got a V two thousand eighty six miles mm Okay, I already changed the uh, fuel pump, the carburetor, and the guy had to clean my tank. And he said it was a filter or something in that sock and all that. Mm-hmm. Okay, he done all of this. Now, it's getting gas finally because it was cutting in and out for me.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And now it's running r- real, real rough like when it's island and all. So I'm just wondering when I put that new carburetor on there or uh, rebuilt one. whatever. Yeah, you
1: man, about. you may have just created a second problem, Melvin. The original carburetor might have been just fine and the fuel pump was bad. And you fix one problem when you put the fuel pump, but you created another problem when you put that carburetor on there. Because I got to tell you, one reason I don't fool with carburetors anymore is because I absolutely cannot find any that will even run. I mean, right. that's the worst junk I've ever seen in my entire life. Is there any way you can get your old one back or it's gone? No it's gone and all that yeah man that's that's a tough tough thing because I tell you man your odds of finding a carburetor that's going to work even even run it all is pretty slim and one of the most common things for idling, rough and all in those cars was the carburetor. you kind of yeah. stuck between a rock and a hard place and you, if you go buy another one and put it on there and it still does the same thing does that mean you got another problem or does that mean you just got another bad carburetor <laughs> you know right. so you, you can't diagnose a problem like that because they're all bad. I mean, there's the worst trash you ever seen out there. Every one of them was wore out 20 years ago, and then they're all rebuilt in Mexico and China and India and everywhere else under the sun by people who never even saw a carburetor before. So yeah, you got a bad problem there, man. The best option is if you can maybe go to a junkyard and find you a carburetor that is not all dried out and everything of course that's the problem it's in a junkyard it's probably gonna be yep. y'all dried up you know well, sitting without old, gas yeah, that old. or
2: sitting with gas in it yeah man that's a yeah, tough that's, one that's that's bad it's
1: gonna be real tough the only other thing i can think of Mem, if you could find an old mechanic somewhere who knows how to fool with carburetors he might could go through it and do something for you but uh, oh. that's gonna be a real tough problem man
0: and yeah, that's
1: what I was wondering. Well, that. now that, but now when they're putting a 15% ethanol on the fuel, you go hell have a vehicle ain't going to run anyway, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the politicians are hell-bent on getting us out of these old cars, I can tell you. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering about, you know. Yeah. I'm kind of stuck in a rock and hard place. Yeah, you re- really are. You really, really
0: are. Yeah. Okay, Miller. I, mean, I just need to find somebody that can take that one I got now. for <sighs> Maybe it. Maybe
1: so, yes, sir. If you can find somebody to do that, and if he can find some decent parts somewhere to do something with it, and, and if it hadn't been screwed up too bad rebuilding it. Right. All righty. Okay, thank so you, Melvin. Bye bye. Okay, bye bye. All right, we got to take one more quick little break, but we'll be right back. Artie and Terry, hang on, you guys will be straight up after the break.
5: Ryan Sebring here, and welcome to Adco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Give it up for MC Powertrain. Oh, this one goes out to the drivers who forget about
0: preventative maintenance. You know, you gotta take your car in regularly or have problems down the road. You'll see, when it comes to maintenance, gotta take a stand. Prevention is the word at hand, so keep your car in tune, show the road who's boss, cause that goes down with the overall lowest cost. I said, A to the G, to the C, and O, Echo is the place to go. A to
5: the G, to the C, and O, Echo is the place to go. MC powertrain and visit agcoauto.com that's agcoauto.com to hear entire songs performed by all our contestants then vote on your favorite and remember for vehicles fixed right the first time for the overall lowest cost agco is the place to go.
1: You just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alpzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? And we've got Artie online. Good morning, Artie.
0: Yes, sir. Good morning. Good morning. I have a 2007 Classic GMC three quarter ton. All right, HD. sir. Mm-hmm. And I'm having, I've been having trouble with my transmission. Okay. It's been marking transmission hot, and it goes off and on, and now I have no reverse. And mm. I also, Yeah, uh, I probably
1: don't have a second gear either. What it right. will do is it goes in the first gear, and it's going to kind of hesitate and wind up, and then it'll jump real hard, and it goes straight to third gear. What's happened there already is that you've broken the reaction shell and transmission. That's a very, very common problem. Do not continue to drive it, because if you do, you're going to tear the whole transmission up. Right now, it's, it's a fairly light rebuild, replace. Reaction shell, replace the seals, stuff like that. And there is a part that you can put back in there that is much, much better than the original. The original Chevrolet part was basically trash, in my opinion. It was basically spun welded, or they just stuck the reaction shell on the shaft, spun it around until it got hot and stuck to it. Well, it doesn't take a whole lot for it to break loose. When it does, you can lose reverse, you can lose second gear. Yes, Problem sir. is, it starts generating metal when you do that. And that metal circulates through the transmission and it can tear up the solenoids, it can tear up the tar converter, it can that can go from a relatively easy light rebuild to a major rebuild real real quick so you need to stop driving it get it somebody let them go in there and repair that for you the reaction shell we put back in there is a billet steel one piece shell that's made to not ever have that problem again and We've got several other things that we do. When we rebuild a 4L60, we put some much heavier parts back in there to solve the problems that GM's had for a long time with that transmission.
0: Where are you located, sir? Uh,
1: 11410 Corsi Boulevard. i tell you, if you go to my website, it's www.agcoauto.com, agcoauto.com. There's information on there, every possible thing you could ever want to know about us. Yes, sir.
3: Okay, thank All right. you very much. Yes,
1: sir, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Terry online. Good morning, Terry.
4: Good morning. Yes, Good sir. morning. Uh, got a quick
1: question. Sure. Uh, 96 Toyota Corolla uh-huh.
4: had, came with a power package, power windows, power lock. Yes. It has the little slot on the side of the stirring column mm-hmm. for cruise control. Okay. Is it still possible to get cruise control for that?
1: particular model in year terry i'd have to check into it and see i'm not 100 percent sure on older vehicles there were a lot of aftermarket companies that used to make cruise control modules that you could add on the problem is all that is electronically controlled through the body module and with the throttle body on the later model cars now all that being said my truck came without cruise and basically we checked, and everything for the cruise was there except the switch and a little servo So I went on eBay and bought a servo, bought me a switch, hooked it up, and I've got cruise now. That's all it took. But now I say that was a Chevrolet. I'm not sure on a Toyota what would be required to put it in there. Okay. It would just be something you'd have to get in service data and check and see. You might just go on the Internet and Google, like, cruise control Toyota, see if anyone offers a kit because if you can find some sort of a kit to do it, it's going to be way cheaper than buying the individual parts. Okay. But uh, I would say most likely that you could. You know, you're just going to have to have a kit to do it. Okay. All righty? All right. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. You want to be part of the Automotive Hour? And we've got Ernst on the line. Good morning, Ernst. Hello there. Yes, sir.
3: All right. I got two questions for sure. you, sir. Okay. I'm looking at maybe purchasing a 95 Dodge Dakota. Okay. Okay. The transmission, in other words, it ships well, you get on the highway, it does well. Mm-hmm. But when it starts, to, when it should start to, after you go through the gears and go back to the standard driving, I guess you call it, it takes it a real long time for it to come back
1: into the drive mode. What is it doing in the interim? Is it is going to neutral? Yeah. Like it's slipping? Yeah. Yeah. Ernst, if you hadn't bought it already, I probably would not buy that truck because that is most of the time a fairly major transmission problem. The seals are getting hard in the transmission, and what's happening is that it, they're bypassing the pistons that apply them, and that's pretty much a complete rebuild to fix. Now, that being said, you might just check and make sure it's full of fluid because if it's got a leak and it's low on fluid, it can do exactly the same thing, which no, would be very minor.
3: Right, but no, it's full of fluid. If it's fluid full of
1: fluid, then I tough. would probably avoid that vehicle. I mean, unless you're just absolutely in love with it, or he's just going to give it to you, yeah,
2: get it at a great price.
1: Well, if he's going to give it to you, you know, and you can afford to put a transmission in it, but yeah, that's a pretty major repair normally. No, that's
3: basically what I needed to
1: know. Yeah, I would avoid that one. I mean, because you figure a transmission is going to cost you anywhere from two to twenty five hundred bucks, and you could probably almost buy that truck for that with a good transmission.
3: Oh, definitely, definitely. All right, question number two.
1: Sure, I've got a two
3: thousand two. Jeep Cherokee Sport, mm-hmm. okay. Uh last week my turn signals are stopped up working. Okay,
1: on. both of them. Okay, yeah. Okay,
3: check the bulbs and everything on them. Mm-hmm. Everything works and all. You uh-huh. hear flashes and everything works. But they just don't turn. Isn't some type? is there some type of a flasher or something like yes, that? Yes, sir. There's two
1: flashers under the dash. One is for your emergency flashers, and one is for your turn signals. What you might just try is put your emergency flashers on and see if they flash. They do flash. Okay, well, then that means all your bulbs and all your wire and all that's good because that uses the same circuit. Okay. I would probably suspect the flasher unit itself may be bad. That's one possible cause. Nothing else is not working on it, and there's airbag lights not on or any of that kind of stuff? No,
3: nothing comes on.
1: Okay. Then I would probably suspect that flasher is the most likely cause. Now, it might be a little difficult to find it, but what you can do, again, put your emergency flashers on, and you'll hear it tink, 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 and follow that little noise until you find that flasher. Okay. Now you know that's the one for the emergency flasher, not the one you want. But somewhere close to it, there's going to be another one that looks just like it, okay. and that's going to be the one you need. You might be able to even unplug the one out of the emergency flashers and move it over to the regular one, because sometimes it's the same flasher unit. You
2: Used to be able to on the older ones, but I'm not sure about the newer ones. I'm not now.
1: sure either. Sometimes they're different, but most times they're the same. If you do that and they start working and the other one quits working, then you know for sure that's the problem. Yeah, because my son lost the manual on
3: it, and I don't have the book on it anymore. Yes, sir, but you
1: you got to crawl under the dash. Come in there somewhere, but if you put your emergencies on, it won't be far from the emergency flasher unit. Okay,
3: sounds good. Now,
1: it's possible the switch can go bad. Sometimes it does that, too, but the brake lights and all still work. Yeah, everything else works. Yeah, normally when your brake lights and all still work, the 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 brake lights go through the turn signal switch. Uh And if all that's working, most likely it's going to be the flasher unit. Okay. What does
3: that consist of?
1: Oh, they're cheap, man. They're they're probably some of them are two or three dollars. Some of them are twenty dollars, but none of them are real expensive. It's just a matter of plugging it in. It's
3: just plug it, take the other one. Out pull, and pull it, it out, and plug out it, it in. in, yes sir. Okay. All right, family. Thank you. All right, sir. All
1: right. right. Bye bye. Right, you want to be part of the automotive, all right, we'd love to have you. And we've got Ronnie online. Good morning, Ronnie. Hey, good morning. Yes, My wife has a 2001 Toyota Sienna van. Okay. And her brakes wheel on it when she stops at speed mm-hmm. speeds especially mm-hmm. and it's driving her crazy uh-huh. it's got it's got drum brakes on the back and yes, on the front correct if i take it
4: to a shot i don't know where to tell them to start looking what can what's most likely to be squealing would it be the drums
1: or the discs? Most disc most likely to tell them to start yeah most likely just bring in just tell them it, sque- it does it every time you stop ronnie yeah uh, pretty much yeah, yeah. I mean, it does it all the time it's no big deal the way we do that stuff at agco is just bringing in and if we can get The person who drives the car, like maybe your wife to come along, I'll put a tech in the car with her. You just go drive and say, hey, hear that noise? That's what I want stopped. And that way, you're absolutely 100% sure you're going to get your noise fixed.
2: Right, because if you walk in the door and tell them, check the brakes, right. they're going to look at them. They got pad left on them. That's probably going to be the end yeah, of they it. Say, okay. You're going to get it back with the same problem.
1: Right. So if you find a shop that'll allow you to ride with the technician, let her show them exactly what it's doing. Most likely what's happened on that thing, Ronnie, at some point in time, somebody's probably done brakes on it and didn't put the Toyota original equipment pad back on there. They or
2: or didn't put the shims behind right, it.
1: put aftermarket pads, lo- took the shims out and threw them away. You, we see that kind of stuff every single day. But yeah. it's not a big deal to fix. Normally it's a matter of putting the correct pads back on there, lubricating everything, putting the shims in there if they're not in there, and we can quiet that down pretty easily. Okay. So it's All not right. likely that the drum part of it would be the Not call. too likely. Drums possible.
2: Drums can squeak. But but it's not likely.
1: Yeah, and most time a drum, you're going to hear it like when you back up. And it's going to be yeah. more of a loud groaning than a, than a squeaking, say. Disc brakes are sort of kind of notorious for squeaking. In fact, if you go on my website, there's an article in there, in fact, two articles on brake noise. Just type in like brake noise or something in the search bar, and it's going to bring up a whole big old article with pictures and everything else, tell you everything you want to know about it. Okay. All right. All right. Very good. Thank okay, you. man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We're going to take another quick
5: little break. We'll be right back with more. Hi, I'm Ryan Sebring, and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Our next contestant, Ms. Crown Victoria. Mm, so I got some junk in my trunk, but why you wanna treat me so bad? Took me to a repair shop, the worst I ever
0: had. My new owner brought me to AdCo; they do me right. No shimmy or shake, I run straight through the night. Got off running alignment, and my ride is so
5: smooth. up folks for Miss Crown Victoria and visit agcoauto.com that's a g c o auto.com hear entire songs performed by all our contestants then vote on your favorite and remember for vehicles fixed right the first time for the overall lowest cost agco is the place to go <laughs>
1: Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host Lewis Altazan, President of AGCO Automotive. Got lead tech Mister Brian Terry right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between the two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. And just before we run out of time completely, I want to give a little plug to the website.
2: That's right. You have, may have a question after the radio show goes off today. You right. can always visit the website and get your questions answered there. Sure. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night. And he'll get it back to you. There's also several search databases well, that you we've can use. Well,
1: we've got vehicle questions, which has over 910 questions in there that have already been answered. So Short, to the point
2: answer to a particular question. Chances are
1: you may very well find your answer right there. If you don't, you can surely go ahead and send me an email. I'll be glad to answer it for you. Just be sure you get the right return address on there. And I had a couple this week. I tried to reply, and they just popped right back to me. So
2: That's pretty much the end of it.
1: Make sure you got the right return address. And do go to the website and use a new New form form each and every time. If not, I won't receive it. Not only that, but you can go on there and read the detailed topics, tons of those, just a wealth of information. Put one there this morning on fuel pumps, why they go bad, some things you can do to prevent your fuel pump from going bad which is in everybody's best interest because fuel oh, pumps are very expensive. Now, with them adding 15% ethanol to our fuel in the very near future, that's going to make this even more critical. Correct. So very, very important that you read this article and prevent yourself from having maybe an eight, dollars $900 repair bill that you could avoid, kind of sidestep that little landmine. There you go. Also, you can go in there and vote for your favorite automotive idol. You might have heard our new Agco spots with the singing cars. You can go in there and vote for your favorite. And at the end of the season, we're going to have a – Big finale. finale. <laughs> I think Old Delta '88 is firmly in the lead right now, but Miss Crown Victoria is coming up fast. So <laughs> go in there and pop in there and vote for your favorite well, you can Vote as many times as you want. Once and, a uh, day. I vote every time. Many times you want. Many times That's you want. That's right. All right. <laughs> just just looking to get as many votes as we can on there. It's www.agcoauto.com. I think you'll really like it. And we're going back to our phone lines. We've got Sutan on the line. Good morning, Sutan.
5: Good
3: morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I got a early 2000 series Dodge van. All right, sir. And it's got a problem with the transmission. Okay. What it's
1: not doing is it's going into first real good, mm-hmm. and then it's not changing gears. Okay. Most likely, Sutan, what is happening is that it's going first and second, and it's just hanging in second gear. That is normally what they call limp mode. L I M P to, to, to allow you to limp home. What that does is that when there's an electrical problem and the computer gets confused because it's electrically controlled, it doesn't know when to shift, so it just goes to second gear and locks up. Okay. And if you cycle the ignition, it'll come out and it'll just start all over again, but that's most likely what's occurring. Generally, that is an electrical-type problem, sometimes outside of the transmission, now, like, things I've, inside the transmission can also cause it, so you just need to get someone to diagnose what's causing it to go to that mode.
3: Okay, because I've, I've cycled, I've shut it off and started mm-hmm. it up again, and mm-hmm. it does the exact same thing. Yeah, it's
1: a hard code. Something has shorted out or burned out completely that the transmission has to have to shift.
3: Could it be like a, a, a vacuum sensor? Or no, sir, nothing.
1: absolutely not. There's no vacuum servos in that thing. It's all electronically controlled. Okay. 100%. So you're going to need to get that. To someone, number one, who is technically competent because there's a lot of guys out there in the transmission business who are going to have a fit trying to even diagnose that. You're end up with a transmission where you may not need one. And number two, somebody who is honest, who's going to tell you the truth. Okay, that can be diagnosed without ever disabling the vehicle. If they start talking about taking it apart and all that, then you're you need in the wrong place. Yeah, you need to leave. Because that can be diagnosed from the outside. You need, you, know, you may very well have to go into it to fix it, but you want to know what you're looking at before they start cracking in that transmission because that could be something as simple as a sensor on the outside that's shorted out and not sending a command. It could even be like a bad transmission control computer. Your know, computer can burn out and it won't shift.
2: Could be a bad alternator. Yeah, it could be anything, all anything sorts causing a thing electrical
1: thing. right problem. Okay. All righty. Get it to the mechanic. All right, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, if you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. And we got Glenn on the line. Good morning, Glenn.
4: Yes, sir. I've got a 2004 Jeep Grand Cherokee and uh-huh. I'm having a problem with the driver's side tail light. Okay. The tail light works. Yes, sir. The brake light works, but if you have the lights on and you hit the brake. They both go out. It's just
1: on the driver's side. Yes, sir. That's going to be a loss of the ground circuit somewhere. What's happening, Glenn, is that the wire used to ground those bulbs is backing up and power is going through it. So you've got 12 volts on both sides of the bulb, so it can't do anything because it has to have 12 volts and ground to work. So there's a short somewhere in the wiring. One place that we've seen a fair amount of problems on those is the little sockets themselves. If you take that assembly out, you got like two little sockets that kind of quarter turn in there, and then the bulb plugs into them. Those sockets themselves will kind of melt together and fuse internally and cause that problem a lot. What you could try, I think they're the same side to side. Steal the one out of the other side, put it in there, and see if the problem goes away on that side and moves to the other side. Then you'll know that's it. Now, if it's not that socket, then more likely it's in the wire somewhere. It could be a pinch wire somewhere. Do you have a trailer hitch on it at all? No, no, it's not even set up. for No kind of trailer harness or anything like that? Right. Most likely, I would almost bet you it's going to be in that socket. If it's not, it's going to be in the wire somewhere, and generally that's because something's hit it or – pinched it or something like that but like i said that's that's way more uncommon than the sockets
3: oh okay well i try that socket thing yes yeah, so just swap them swap the them side to
1: side and see if the problem moves to the other side all right thank all you, right sir. thank you bye-bye. bye-bye all right if you want to be part of the automotive all right we got a few more minutes be glad to try to get your call answered and we got will online good morning will
3: hey louis how you doing doing great sir Look, I got a 97 GMC pickup truck. I don't know if this is your uh, line of work there. The, Pretty uh, much. Panels inside, you know, the door panels, mm-hmm. how you take them off? I know it's got a couple screws out right there by the grab handle and maybe mm-hmm. one up there toward the front, uh, top of it the, there, a the little cap you take off.
1: Yeah, well, that's just going to have a bunch of little old plastic. It's got
2: plastic clips in yeah, yeah,
1: that pull out. And you got to be a little bit careful. When well, if you get rough, you'll break them. Of course, even if you break them, you can get some more. But just kind of get something flat between the panel and the door and kind of pry out a little bit, and you'll feel sure. it kind of popping loose, and then it'll just come out. You
2: have to yep. take up by the uh, rearview mirror on the door, that little piece comes off first. Then you take right. the screws out of the panel. I don't think there's any screws hidden behind anything, but I'm yeah. not real there'll, sure. There'll be
1: some around the door, around the armrest. Yeah, yeah, where your armrest is and all that, and then some at that door handle where that little bezel is out. I think there's a screw in that. Right. So there's a handful of screws, but you have it's to. I think
2: you have to take the door latch um, at the lock uh, slide. I think it pops out. Okay. I think you, gotta, you definitely got to take it out. Mm-hmm. And like Lewis was saying, they got some snap clips that just snap the panel on. Start working and, at the bottom yeah, corner. Yeah, the bottom. The
3: right. bottom
2: closest to the uh, door post. And you can tell when you start working on it, you'll get it loose. And you can kind of look under there. It's going to be a little white push plug. Right, Go, plugs in it. the hole in the door. Plugs in the hole. Now, when
1: you get them all loose, you can't just yank the panel off. You have to pick up on the panel because it's got like a lip that goes down where the right, windows yeah. at. Yeah, so you got to uh, kind of pick it up and then it comes off. Yeah, okay. And you're all
2: probably right. gonna have you're probably gonna break some. They're notorious for breaking. Yeah. So you may have to run over to the parts house and I think if you look in the help section, they got those clips. Yeah, I believe
1: they do. Yeah. Okay. All all right. Right. So just
2: take one and match it up. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. All right. Sure appreciate okay, it. Okay, man. Buddy. Thank you. Bye bye. Have a good day. Uh-huh. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. See, I think we can maybe squeeze another call in. Real try. quick. We got Jackie online. Good morning, Jackie.
4: Hey, gentlemen, how y'all doing? This doing morning? great, ma'am. Good morning. Listen, I, you guys quite a bit on Saturday mornings when I'm riding around, and oh, good deal. Case, I've, I've heard y'all more than one occasion talk about the Chevy transmission. Yes, ma'am. And a minute ago, you were talking about it also, and I kind of missed it, I guess. But you know, I'm looking for a used pickup truck, and would you kind of tell me again what the deal is with the Chevy transmissions? Because I've heard you say that. Even though they knew the part was bad, they continued to make the transmission
1: <laughs> the same way? Yeah, they. I mean, they started out with that transmission in 1982, and they've got a part in there called a reaction shell that breaks a lot, and it's still the same part in there today. Gets them out
2: of warranty. Yeah, you I know, mean— know, about 50,000, 60,000 miles.
1: A lot of them break as early as 50 or 60. A lot of them break at 80, 90, 100. Generally by 140, 150, you just yeah, about yeah. put a transmission in it. Now, i got to say, I have seen a handful of them that have gone 300,000 miles, never broke. just like— People. You know, some of them can live a long, long time, but it's sort of a weak design. But that being said, its I guess it's got probably less problems than a lot of vehicles do. Right. That's one problem it has. And about the only thing you can do is get it serviced on a regular basis, change the fluid and filter and that sort of thing. But if it breaks, it's going to break. So you well, just kind of...
4: The whole transmission has to be replaced for that part. Well, you well, have you
1: to replace that part. And if it's got a lot of miles on it, chances are you're going to be rebuilding the transmission, okay. which is fairly expensive. But, I mean, it can be fixed and it can be fixed better than it ever was before. So that's the good news. What I always tell people, anytime you buy any used vehicle, is that you want to buy it cheap enough to where if you do have to do a repair like that, you're still okay.
4: Okay. If you're buying so-
1: the truck $3,000 under normal value and you got to put a $2,500 transmission, you're still okay. Because okay, you got better so, than you had before.
4: Well, do y'all have any reports real quick also about their, these the, the Chevy trucks were also having uh, problems in the steering shaft, making noise. Oh, yeah. And yeah. To, yeah, oh, yeah. are having to be replaced.
1: Well, it doesn't have to be replaced. it's some things you do. Go to my website and just type okay. in, like, the word clunk or steering or something like that, and there's an article in there with pictures and everything It'll tell you all about okay. it. Okay.
4: All right, thank you, guys. Love you, man.
1: Thank you, man. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, boy, we have squandered Uh another perfectly good hour. Right on time. How about that? (laughs) I want to tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour.
2: We'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week also. Please tell your friends so we can get a lot
1: more people listening. That's right. We want as many as we can possibly get. Yep. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.